The following is an encore presentation of Exploring the Word. The Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. One of the greatest joys I have in my life is getting up on Sunday morning and going to church. Uh, Now, I know the building is there, and that's not what draws me. What draws me is the church, the people, and the called-out assembly of God. How important is it in 2020? Uh, How important is that church uh, that we have in 2019? Will it be relevant in 2025? The answer is, if the Lord hasn't come back, the church will be relevant. So we want to talk about letting the church be the church, Uh, not being something that, you know, is is they're not not intended to be. This is Bert Harper along with Alex McFarlane, and you're listening to two guys who have given their life ministering in churches with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we want to encourage you today, being a part of a local church, if you're not, find one that that God would have you to be in. If you can't say, well, I've looked and looked and can't find one, uh, get the best you can. Sometimes Uh, you you settle. Have you ever settled for a few things, Alex? I've had to settle for some things. Yes, I have. I've had to settle for a car that I really wanted that car, but I had to settle for something else. And, and some people use the excuse about churches. Well, I just can't find the right church. Well, <clears throat> I don't know what all your guidelines are or what your qualifications are, but I, I just want to encourage you, find a local church and to be a part of it. And uh, that's my admonition for, for today, Alex. I believe in that. And uh, do you want to be a part of one that is not exactly right? I, I tell folks, Jesus paid his temple tax mm-hmm. even when the temple was corrupt. Uh, exactly. And yet we found out he went to the synagogues, and I guarantee you all the synagogues were just like, like churches. They had some hypocrites in it, and they had some issues with it. But he, it says as his custom, right? Yes, exactly. You, you know, um, traveling and preaching, I have really come to love and love and appreciate America's churches. Now, we know the church is the body of Christ. I've often said that a local church is a group of born-again believers banded together for the purpose of world evangelization. That's what a, what a church is. It's not a social club. It's not a supper club, although, you know, we do think all sorts of activities. But the fundamental primary purpose of the church, it's a group of born-again believers banded together for the purpose of world evangelization. And traveling um, I've been in a lot of churches. Now, if y'all could see this, I'm going to hold up on my computer a picture of a church that I was in 20 years ago. We saw a major revival. This is called Cool Spring Baptist Church. And the sign on the building, it's a glorious, beautiful old wood building uh, built in 1828. And I'll never forget once I was there to preach. This is in eastern North Carolina, just a little bit south of Norfolk, Virginia. And uh uh, they said, we're going to have a supper, and it's in the new building. And I noticed the floor change. You're walking from an old area, and the new building, 1903. 
Um, <laughs> seriously. And uh, I think about Shippensburg, Pennsylvania. I was at Shippensburg Church of God to preach. And in their sanctuary, one entire wall is stained glass. And, and imagine it's, I don't know, 150, 200 years old. And I was up there and um, it was unlike anything I'd ever seen. I love stained glass windows. But there was like scenes of the Bible, Old through New Testaments, this entire wall that was probably 35 feet wide and 45 feet tall. I'd never seen anything like an entire wall. Uh, And I've seen a lot of very beautiful church architecture. But, Bert, the truly, truly, truly beautiful thing of the church, as much as I appreciate the buildings, it's the beautiful well-constructed people built by the master builder whose name is Jesus Christ. And he has placed in that church those that are needed to carry out his mission. Now, his mission, he gave the Great Commission, and he gave it in Acts 1-8. He gave it in all the Gospels, that world evangelism, starting where you are, wherever that is. Exactly. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Witnesses. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. And the Greek word for that witness is martyr. That's kind of gripping, isn't it? Now, somebody who dies. Yeah. Now, uh, to be a witness for Christ, not all of us will die on foreign soil, uh, hopefully none of us, but um, there are some things we have to die to, like our apathy and our disobedience, right? We do. And so the scripture that I, I used in, in sharing what the church needed to be, let the church be the church, is Luke 5, 4, where they had been fishing and they'd fished all night and hadn't caught a thing. And Jesus said to them in chapter 5, verse 4, he says to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Now, I, I want to share with you, I think churches ought to let down their nets, and that's what we're talking about. Uh, in another place, he said the fields are white under harvest. Uh, it says that the, you know, the laborers are few, but it, listen, the, 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 the harvest is great, he said. And pray that the Lord of the harvest will send laborers into the harvest. So we're, that's what we're talking about today, the church being the launching pad for world evangelism. And it needs to be. I, I remember reading about the great prayer revival that swept across the north part of the United States in the 1850s, started by Jeremiah Lanfear. Okay. I remember the very first time I read about that, and I said, man, I'd heard about the first Great Awakening, Did the that second Great Awakening. Started in, started in New York City, of Praise all places. God. Yeah, And it was just a prayer. But men would come to New York, and they would go to this prayer meeting that Jeremiah Lanfear, and they said, you know, I can do that in my city. And they would take it back to their cities all over the northern tier and there was a great revival that took place. Were there those that came out of it that went their way and was not exactly scriptural? Yes, that's always the case. Satan, have you noticed Satan's always going to have a counterfeit when God oh, yeah. has the original? Yeah. And so, but the South was the southern part of the United States, steeped in the sin of slavery, was that revival did not come south the way it did. But during the Civil War, a horrible time, a difficult time. Yeah. Guess what happened in many of the southern camps? There was revival. Amen. Men 
those those preachers, those chaplains was preaching. On my wall in my office is one of my favorite paintings. It's a print, not the original, but it is oh, about that, that Civil War site as they were gathered there in Virginia in the Rapidan River in 1863. The, the Union forces on one side, the Confederate forces on one side, they weren't fighting then. They were just trying to survive the winter during that period of time. But this is when the chaplain, his name was Willie Ragland, Chaplain Willie Ragland started preaching, and many were saved. There was one private that was saved. His last name was Private is Goodwin, and he wanted to be baptized. And it was a, a day that was not as bad as other days, and he wanted to go down to the Rapidan River to be baptized. And so they and his commander said, "If you go down there, the Union troops will see you in going in the river, and they'll think you're crossing the river to invade their territory." And they said, "We're going to go down there. We're going to enter the." the water without guns, and we're going to trust the Lord. And he gave them their command. And what happened, Alex, is one of the most amazing things. The northern troops, the Union forces, came out from their works. We call them foxholes today. And they stood on the side of the river, and the Confederates stood on their side of the river as Chaplain Willie Raglan baptized Private Goodwin there. Mm. And they were singing, There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunge beneath the flood, lose all their guilty stains. The Union troops, the Confederate troops that were believers, joined together. I, 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 that is what God could do. If, if they could that's have the done church. that and understood that, that's what we need to do today. Yes, there are some differences in some things. Yes, they are. But I want to tell you, Jesus Christ is, is our theme. He is the person. I don't care what you do. Teaching, preaching, or what? The whole idea is make much of Jesus, Alex. Amen. Make much of Jesus. You know, I I love the subject of revival. And folks, uh, let me encourage you to familiarize yourself with some of the great revivals because it's amazing into hard, hard situations where God has sent revival. And you're talking about the kind of the ceasefire during the Civil War there. Um, By the way, there's a very famous book called Power Through Prayer by E.M. Bounds, B-O-U-N-D-S, and E.M. Bounds was a chaplain during the Civil War. I think he was from the North, but he he ministered on both sides, and he ministered to all people, and his work on prayer comes out of that, and that's a very, very powerful book. But um, I've read about the New York Revival with Jeremiah Lanfear, and I've read a lot about the Great Awakening with um, Jonathan Edwards, and I've read about the Second Great Awakening. And the thing is, God hasn't changed. And every one of those was different. You they, know, they were. You know what they I mean? Were. Each one. The, the first Great Awakening was on the eastern seaboard, and it was using a lot of educated uh, preachers that, you know, God used. The, the second Great Awakening was more on the frontier. Yeah, and, it was. And you had— Kind of wild. Wild. Some, you, had some those of circuit, you had those circuit riders yeah. that had just—they they would hear somebody preach, and they would go somewhere, and they would preach that sermon yeah. that they heard because they did not have all the educational background that some of the others had. And then the northern, it was more of a prayer. It yeah. was more prayer. It wasn't a lot of preaching. It was meeting and praying for one another. God is, there's no cookie-cutter revival the way yeah. there's no cookie-cutter Christian. Everybody says, you got to do this, you got to do that. 
Well, there are certain things. Yes, you got to turn away from sin and everything, but it's amazing how God can use a preacher. He can use a prayer warrior. He can use a professor, educated doctorate, or he can use that circuit riding preacher that's that's preaching just what he had heard somebody else preach. It's amazing what God can do and who God can use, isn't it, Alex? Well, it is. And, you know, God hasn't changed. The calling hasn't changed. And the body of Christ, the labor force, is still the church. And that's why I love that we're talking about letting the church be the church. And I love your scripture there, Luke 5, 4, where Jesus said, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for for a draft or a catch of fish. Uh, It's time some of the churches, and maybe your church, uh, go out into some deep waters, some uncharted territory. Um, you know, we, we there's no saying we know what we like and we like what we know. And it's easy to go for what's called the low-hanging fruit. Do we need Is that the comfort area, the things yeah, we're comfortable the comfort with? Zone. And, uh, you know, we, we've all personally, um, in our family and in our church, sometimes we've got to go into some new things and some go out into the deep and let down our nets, and it's going to take some work and some strain and some effort. But listen, we in America, again, we need a great move of God. Um, Now, revivals have some things in common, like prayer, don't they? I mean, there's never revival without prayer, but um, I, I read about the great revivals of old, and I know God hasn't changed. The commission is still in force. He still works through his church and I say, Lord, uh, what is our assignment in our day? Yeah. Um, we need a revival. And, and you're right. It's not going to be like it was under Jonathan Edwards. It's not going to be. But we're going to have to let God define what revival looks like. But as people did in days past, we must present ourselves for his use. We're talking about letting the church be the church. And we pray that you are a part of a local church serving the Lord wherever he would have you to do. And we're talking about launching out in the deep. Could that be unreached people groups in your city or in your town? We'll talk about that when we come back. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. You're listening to AFR, the American Family Radio Network, and Bert and I are talking about the church. Uh, By the way, I do want to remind you, you can listen to this broadcast on the website, AFR.net, or on the app, uh, any of the Exploring the Word shows by podcast, and we encourage you to do that. And if you hear one that's a blessing, you know, forward it on to somebody. You can uh, uh, call it up on your computer or phone and then send a link and so uh, let these podcasts go to a lot of places and hopefully, for God's glory, touch a lot of lives. Hey, you know, Bert, one of the scriptures you've got in the outline here is Matthew 28, 18 through 20, which I love. Uh, Jesus said to his followers, listen to this, folks, quote, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Uh, That's commonly called the Great Commission, several other passages that are Great Commission passages. 
But when Jesus says, I'm with you always to the end of the, the world, uh, the Great Commission hasn't been rescinded or taken back, has it? It has not. I'm Still in it, force. I'm afraid it's become the great omission with many churches. Uh-oh. And they've become self-absorbent. With that in mind, I want to tell you a story, Alex. I, this is a true story about a man. He and his wife were traveling, and they were going through a town they'd never been through before. And it was on interstate, and his wife began to have some chest pains, and he was looking for that big H, you mm-hmm. know, the hospital sign. He saw a big H, and so he exited, and he said, I'll follow that. And he followed the H's, about three or four H's, and he pulled up to what he thought was the hospital, the emergency room. He was getting out of the car, and all of a sudden a guard came out and said, what are you doing? He said, I'm bringing my wife to the hospital, and said, oh, it's moved. And he said, well, my wife is desperate, and the guard escorted them to the hospital where it was. But after it was over, the wife survived and everything. But he said to those hospital administrators, why didn't you take the signs down? You know, because mm. it nearly mm. cost my wife his uh, her life. And when I heard that, I thought about church signs. You know, I've gone to yes. churches and I've seen, I, I look at the church sign if I've never been there before to see what they say and what it says. And I asked the members, I said, how many of you who are members had to look at the church sign to make sure you were in the right place? And no one holds their hand up because they know where to come. And I said, so who's the sign for? It's for others. It's yeah, for others. Sure, so others can sure. come and do what? Get help. And I said, but if you're like that hospital that can't help them because you don't have the answers to salvation, you're not given the answers to life, you need to take your sign down. Mm, and so wow. I don't want churches to take their signs down, but I do encourage them to make sure that the gospel of Jesus Christ is presented that prayer and and power is a part of that. And when you do, you have the church fulfilling its goals. Yes. The church should have goals. They should have a vision, shouldn't they, Alex? Well, they really should. Um, you know, there's always got to be a goal. Uh, you and I, even working on our day-to-day, I've made a list of the things that you and I need to get done today. And uh, whether you make yourself a to-do list or some post-it notes, th- those are goals. And I think let me just say this. I'm a big believer. Short-term and long-term, we need to set realistic, measurable goals. And I know we have a lot of pastors listening. I know we have a lot of teachers and and just good old church folks. But um, ha- be a church with goals and visions. And um, there was a phrase back in the 90s. I haven't heard it in a few years, but a BHAG. Do you remember that? I do. A big, hairy, audacious goal. And I know there's some goals that are just a little bit out of reach, but stretch yourself and don't worry about setting a goal and, and, and falling short because even if you don't reach, hey, you know what? If you aim for the moon and you miss it, you'll at least catch a few stars. You know what Amen. I'm saying? Amen. So the church needs goals. As the Word of God says, where there's no vision, the people perish. And uh, you've got some very wonderful goals here. Well, these goals, they're, they're not original with me. I don't know where I first heard this, but this is the goals of the church. Yeah. And you know me, I love simple, you know, uh, statable things, and it registers with me. So there's three things a goal that the church has as goals. One is love the Savior. Love yes, Jesus yes. with all. Isn't that the first commandment? Love the Lord God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your might. Yes. So the first commandment is to love God. Shouldn't that be the church's 
first goal, that Amen. we love Jesus with every fiber of our being, Alex? Yeah, exactly. And that that's not only a goal, that, that really is life and joy to commune with God and to love God and, and, and worship God. So everything the church does, every is there anything that the church should do that does not have that in mind? Hey, I'm so glad you're saying that because there's a lot of stuff, a lot of noise and movement and using up of resources that, that doesn't fall under that, loving God and worshiping and furthering his purposes for everybody's life. Everything. Let's let's take it. What a church. A lot of churches have Bible studies. Some people still call it Sunday school, small groups, life groups, whatever your church is. That that small groups that get come together. Uh, yeah, it's for fellowship. Yeah, you may eat, but the central part of it is Jesus Christ. Amen. The music. Listen. The the worship wars. I don't hear that as much as I did in the nineties. Praise the Lord. Praise God. And I I just you know all music. Uh, I believe in treasure music. The treasure is Jesus. And just yes. present the treasure of the Lord Jesus. The the sermon, listen, I, I was taught, open the scriptures and make a beeline for Jesus. Yeah. I, I, I still, <laughs> that's still my goal in preaching, Amen. Alex. I don't care if it's apologetics. I don't care if it's stewardship, the family. Jesus is the centerpiece, isn't he? He is. He is. And you know, I'm glad you're talking about loving the Lord and loving the saints because um, I've been in churches where um, there was a lot of good things I could talk about, but there just wasn't a lot of love. So you love Jesus, love the Savior, love the saints. Yeah, we are. One another, is that a key word, one it, another? You know, uh, John 13, uh, Jesus said, By this will all men know that you're my disciples, if you have love one for another. Now, I, I, I like theology, and I love data, and I love content. I love great architecture, beautiful buildings, and and there's a lot of the accoutrements that go along with Christianity that are uh, very endearing and interesting. But here is the most powerful apologetic. If you want to draw people to Christ and fulfill the gospel and make the gospel appealing, love one another. By this will all men. Isn't that something? It is. That's how they said they'll know us. John 13, it doesn't say, by this will all men know that you're my disciples if you have the most lofty uh, language or the most powerful arguments, or if you have the most well-manicured lawn out front. By this will all men know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Does that mean we always agree on everything? No. But can you disagree and not be disagreeable? Yeah. Do you know what? Uh, the church where I got saved, Macedonia Baptist, and I'm going to say this. I don't mind saying Macedonia because half the people that were there 30 years ago when I got saved have gone on. That was a church, and I've got a very dear friend who pastors it now named Eric Pace, and he's doing a wonderful job rebuilding. But it, I noticed this as a young believer. Whenever they had a vote on something, the ones that it didn't go their way would stay mad about it for years. And I mean, um, they were gonna they were gonna remodel the sanctuary. And some wanted it, some didn't want it. And it passed and they did. But the ones that didn't get their way, they were mad. And and there were several issues. They bought a bus. And and you know, sadly, Macedonia Baptist that I love and it changed my life. Um, a dear lady left twenty eight thousand dollars. So they said, you know, what are they gonna do? And they had for long times thought they were going to get a bus. So it passed like by 90%. And, but those that 
who didn't want the bus successfully got the church split. And they had used, and now the church needed a bus. In the youth, we used the bus. My point is this look, be a team player. Even if the particular initiative of the moment didn't go your way, you mean there's no I in team? There's no I in team. <laughs> and first of all, and and I'm always of the mindset, you know, paint the fellowship hall or not, I don't care. If it's going to win souls, do it. If it's not, don't. But listen, folks, remember to love and worship God is our calling to win the lost, equip the saved. But I want to say, and this is on every Christian's to do list care about and work for the preservation of the unity within the body of Christ. Listen to this passage in Galatians, Alex. As we have opportunity, let us do good unto them who are the household of faith. Yeah. Do good to them. Yeah. Do good. That widow who's struggling. And I say this, my wife grew up in a home where her dad deserted and left her mom with three children to raise. She found a church that loved her, equipped her, and many times saw God do amazing things in their lives for need. The church look for opportunities to do good. When you love the saints, you're looking for the opportunity. I know people that take money around in their pocket, and they got it ready, a $20 bill. I know some that have take a $100 bill around in their pocket, and they take it to church, and they've already tithed, they've already given, but they're looking for the opportunity to give that money to someone that is in need of that money. Look for That's what you do. You love the saints you share yes. with them. And I heard the story about a guy that would walk all the way across town to be at a church, and he had churches closer. And they said, why don't you attend a church closer to you? It'd be a lot easier. And he said, oh, no, those folks over there really know how to love a fella. Amen. You know? Amen. And, uh, you know, people saying, I can't find the church. Find a church where Jesus is loved and they love one another. And the yeah. third thing is. They need to love sinners, don't they? They do. That's love, part of the Great Commission. I like what you wrote here. Bert wrote, love the Savior, love the saints, and love the sinners. Again, that's not original. I don't know who came up with it first, but I borrowed it. <laughs> um, do you know what? We did a campaign early on called Passion and Compassion. And let's not ever lose our compassion for lost souls. You bet. I mean, f- people think about it. Souls are going into eternity, many of whom are unprepared. Lost. Hell, unsaved. So love sinners, care about it. You know, I, um, my wife is a nurse, and she's worked with some amazing godly doctors, and she's worked with some doctors that weren't believers but were people of impeccable character. And I've known many of Angie's employers, the doctors, were constantly going on medical mission trips. In fact, I even know a couple of the doctors she worked for that um, – were not believers, but would go on Christian medical mission trips. Because um, one of the men said, he said, as a physician, if I can heal people, I have a duty to go and do that. Well, and that, that really moved my heart. As a Christian, if I've got the, the, the water of life, the message of Jesus, I have a duty to go out there and, and engage with those that are unsaved. Alex, I mean, how my much goodness. money do you think the average church spends on in-house rather than on out? 
going out and taking the Great Commission to the world, over 90%. If we need to flip it over back. We need I, to. I, I can live with a pothole. I can live with a the carpet being a little bit bare. Yeah. I mean, I know you sure. want that. I know you want it to look good, uh, you know, but we've got unreached people groups in the world that have never heard the gospel. We become so, we become self-centric looking at us and looking at our surroundings. And we look at our community and say, well, just, we got a church on every corner. There's places in the world that does not have a church on every corner. They don't even have a church in the neighborhood. They don't even have very many churches in a region. And what an opportunity in these years that we live with technology and the ability to travel. And resources. And resources to take the gospel and fulfill that great commission to all the world. Love the sinners, not just those around you, but love those who are still unreached. Amen. Well, that that is really powerful, and uh, uh, I know it's been repeated so much; it's almost a cliche. But Vance Havner, he said, uh, "We are to be fishers of men, not just keepers of the aquarium." And hey, listen, I love to keep the place nice and all that, but look, what good is is a a beautiful building if it's not a tool in the hand of God being used to? convert sinners and change lives. That's right. And and I, I've heard folks complain, you know, they'll be they'll have an outreach to bring children in and they have to use facilities that the adults have to use and they have to share it. And don't be one of these adults that says, No, we don't want those kids in here. We'll have to rearrange our church our, our chairs every Sunday morning because They've uh, they've written on the board. They've 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 misplaced my cushion that I sit in. Let them misplace that cushion. <laughs> Let them write on the board. Reach those people for Christ, Alex. There's some more important things than my comfort, isn't there? Exactly. Jesus did not hang on the cross to make us comfortable. He hung on the cross to get us saved, to make us saintly and to use us to win the world. And and I, I'm just going to get on one of my soapboxes. Come on, man. Uh, the senior adults, I'm for you. I, I'm, I am one now. But I want to tell you, my ministry is more than to going to see the leaves turn. You know, Preach I, it. Oh, I, I really want us to make a significant I'm, effort to reach the next generation, brother, Alex. I, I'm going to give you $5 for saying that. <laughs> um, now, up in North Carolina, man, they might uh, run you out of town. Uh, repeat that. This is priceless. Well, I Listen said it to from the pulpit. I said the senior adult ministry ought to be more than going on a trip to watch the leaves turn. And we need, I had someone to ask you, what are you doing this for the senior adults? I said, I'm trying to lead you to win the next generation. I can't think of anything more importantly. I'm passionate about that, Alex. You're listening to Exploring the Word and Bert Harper. Uh, has just reminded us that the church is to be the church, Luke 5, 4. Hey, stay tuned. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about being the fishers of men God called us to be. Don't go away. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. You know, I heard it 
said one time that the church is the only organization that exists solely for the benefit of its non-members. Think about that. The church is the only organization that exists solely for the benefit of its non-members. With that, we welcome you back to Exploring the Word. Alex McFarland, Bert Harper, we're talking about the church. And Bert, um, I appreciate you. you. How long did you pastor West Jackson? West Jackson Street Baptist Church here in Tupelo, 28 years, and wow. I was youth minister uh, close to two years. I spent over 30 years there in one church. What a testimony. God yeah. bless you. And, you know, I, I meet people all around the city uh, that speak so highly of you and Jan, and what what a ministry there. And, uh, you know, we're talking about the church, and, and you, you were talking about uh, the church's goals, and also we're going to talk about the church's guide. But um, I love America, and I love the fact, I just read a statistic that they say there are some 386,000 churches in America, uh, 100 million, maybe 130 million adult Christians, 700,000 clergy. So, I mean, we, we've got the nuts and bolts of religion. There's no shortage on that, is there? I know. There's no shortage. I mean, we've got the nuts and bolts of religion, but we need some spirit-filled gospel, don't we? Power. Uh, you know, Let's talk about how the church can do that. Well, let me ask, say this. I've heard it said, again, it's hard to remember every quote I've heard and who said it and where I read it first, so I always try to say, I didn't say it, but I heard. Yeah. And and I did hear this, that you know, and it may have been Vance Havener, you know, because he was so good at turning. He said, the only thing that most churches would not miss on a Sunday morning is the absence of the Holy Spirit mm. said if if the song books or the PowerPoint was gone, they'd miss that. If the pews were gone, they'd miss that. If the music instrument was gone, they'd miss that. But the Holy Spirit's absence, they'd go on as usual. Yeah. And so we need power. Yeah. We we need power in the church, passion and power. But His presence is what brings that, Alex. Yeah. You His presence, and so the guide that we have for the church that has a vision needs a guide. Because going just in every direction, no, you need to be purposeful. And the Word of God, 2 Timothy 3, talks about it, and it says we have a sure word. Psalm 119, 105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The Word of God is, is, is to be proclaimed. It's to be lived out. It's yes. not enough. You know, Paul said be an example to the flock. Right. Not just preaching. So as a the pastor that preaches the word of God, I think it I think it trickles down. You know, Ronald Reagan was, you know, talk about they'd talk about it in a bad way, trickle down economics. Right. Well that, there's some truth in that. I just there, want there to really, really is, is a lot of truth. But in there's that. also and I, I want it to be more than a trickle, I want it to be the pouring of the word of God. If it's proclaimed from the pulpit, I believe it will be shared in the Sunday school classes. I believe it will be shared in the songs that we sing. So the Word of God, having priority as our guide to worship, to teach, the Word of God cannot be replaced by anything else in the church. That's right. Hey, to your point there about the church's guide, our playbook is the Word of God. Tony Evans gives a famous illustration. In fact, I think you and I were there together. At, uh, we, you and I were at a conference for Christian broadcasters, and Tony Evans um, said that, you know, in the NFL, they've got the playbook, and the referees run the, you know, and uh, you don't just throw out the playbook. 
uh, you've got to go. And he said, could you imagine? And he told the city where the NFL headquarters was, can you imagine going there to the headquarters of the NFL and saying, we know you have your playbook and there's all these official rules, but I'm one of the referees and I'm going to run it my way. Uh, You know, you wouldn't be a referee anymore. Well, we in the church have uh, the guide, as you have said, which is the Word of God. Now, I want to encourage everybody, when you've got time, uh, read 2 Timothy 3 and 4. Okay, in 2 Timothy 3, perilous times are going to come. Men are going to be lovers of themselves, boastful. Uh, all manner of sin goes on and on. And then it goes on, and it talks about our doctrine and God's Word. Mm. You've carefully followed my doctrine uh, for your life, but then Second Timothy 4 goes, I charge you therefore. In other words, in light of the sin of the world, the occasional carnality of the church, the need of the hour, the condition of souls, in light of all this, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus, preach the word. This yeah. is Second Timothy 4 two, And this is for the church. This is for Christians. This is certainly for clergy. Preach the word of God. Now, all of that to say this, folks, we're living in a time when some uh, ministers have gone on record as saying that, um, well, maybe Muslims and Christians do worship the same God. Who knows? Uh, There's a pope who said even atheists go to heaven. And then it seems like, I don't know, a a huge percentage of Christendom has given up the fight on uh, homosexuality, transgenderism, and abortion. No. No, a thousand times no. The, the Word of God says what it says. Look, we can read it, we can memorize it, we can proclaim it, but we cannot change it. The Word of God is sure it is settled in heaven. Yeah. Right, Alex? And here's the problem. I'm going to say it this way. I'm going to throw it back to you, folks. The Word of God is to change us. The reason we're in the mess we're in is because we thought we could change it. Um, I'm going to come into the Word of God's life, and I'm going to change it. No, the Word of God is going to come in my life, and it's going to change me. That's the way things work here. Yeah. W.A. Crystal, the great pastor of the First Baptist Church Dallas years ago, there 50 years, I remember him saying, he said, there's those that believe the Bible is inspired in spots, and they're inspired to pick out the spots. Now, that is... So what's happening with the pastors that are ignoring passages of Scripture purposefully? What the Bible says concerning Jesus being the only way, just talking about the God of the Muslims, and God, mm-hmm. no, only God. The, the, the homosexual agenda, transgender agenda, that, that they're overlooking what he said in the Old and New Testament yes. concerning the act of homosexuality being a sin, adultery being sin, fornication being sin, yeah. all of those things. And millennials saying, well, we're, you know, we're just living together before marriage. No, God condemns that's, that's that. That's called fornication. It is. And so what you do, the word of God does not change. The other part that is our God is the spirit of God using the Word of God. Now, on yes. my outline, notice which and, one and I they're listed in first. They're in agreement. But notice which one I did first, the Word of God. The Spirit of God will not contradict the Word of God. Amen. Now, don't put God in a box 
Now, I, I just want to tell you, I was guilty of that. I thought, well, God only operates in this. Uh, it's not my box. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, it's God, and, and God is, is big and powerful. But John sixteen thirteen says this, How be it, when he, the Holy Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Verse 14 of John 16, He shall glorify me. He shall glorify the Lord Jesus. The Holy Spirit of God will make much of Jesus. And when we're filled with the Spirit of God, the Word of God will be lived out in our lives. What does it say? The law becomes on your heart. Yeah. That's, that's it, Alex. I'm not over here having a piece of paper. You know, you're talking about the guidebook and the playbook. Yes. You're not, I'm not over here checking off certain things. No, the Holy Spirit has brought the Word of God alive in my heart that when they work together, it's the church's guide to do its goals, which are what? Love Jesus, love one another, and love the lost. That's what it does. And, it, and the Bible tells us something about the Spirit of God empowers us. The Word of God instructs us to carry out that great, great vision. Amen. Amen. And, and let me just say this, because we've gotten mail about this. Um, when, it, when we're talking about accepting the Word of God as truth, which it is, it's inspired, it's God-given, it's, uh, heaven is its origin— and truth is is its content, and we don't change it. People have asked about creation. Let me say this. Accept what the Word of God says about creation. I categorically reject evolution. I don't believe in theistic evolution. And let me say, I do. I'm speaking for Alex McFarlane here. And Bert Harper on this. I believe God created the earth in six days, and on the seventh day he rested. Um, people ask about the old earth, young earth. Uh, Look, I'm not ashamed one bit to tell you I am what many would call a young earth creationist. And people will say, yeah, but what about science and this and that and the other? Listen, folks, part of the reason that much of the church is shaky on moral issues and shaky on all kinds of issues, because in the very first three pages of Scripture, they've not fundamentally accepted what God says about his very own creation. And if you don't accept what God says about our history, how do you trust what God says about our future Amen. and our present? That's so, so church, look, let's get back to accepting the word of God for what the word of God says. They Cre- call you a Neanderthal for saying that, Alex? Well, you know, um, one of the brilliant people of history, genius level IQ, I do believe, Paul, he said, I'm a fool for the sake of the gospel. People want to think we're foolish. Um, Here's one of the reasons that I I don't care a stitch. And and by the way, I was thinking this morning, I've got some Christian friends on the West Coast, and they teach at a university near Los Angeles. And it's largely a good Christian school, but they're they're what would be called old earthers. And um, uh, they don't invite me to their conferences anymore because I'm an old-timey, young-earth creationist, blah, blah, blah. At any rate, and, and frankly, some of them have been pretty condescending to me. Why don't I get with the modern times and be an old-earther? And here's the thing. Um, I, I don't care. They make fun of me. doesn't matter a bit. Look, they didn't hang on a cross and die for me. Jesus did. 
Charles Darwin didn't give his life to save us. And, and folks, part of the reason that the church does not have solid conviction about the Word of God like they ought to is because for quite a number of decades, even Christian schools have lowered their colors and, and weakened on creation. And what the Bible says about creation, fall, a literal Adam and Eve. And look, folks, remember, Jesus gave his life for us, and he affirmed the Scripture, the Old Testament. And so when we're talking about the church's goals and the church's guide, the Word of God and the Spirit of God, believe the book in its entirety and and let that begin with what God says about his creation. Amen. Thank you, Alex. Let's talk about the last uh, thing that I have here on my outline, the church's gifts, the church's vision, uh, you know, its goals, the church's guide, the Word of God and the Spirit of God, the church's gifts. God has given the church the ministry of reconciliation, which is the salvation of lost humanity to a living Savior that gives eternal life. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. That's our... So, you know, what the church was in the 1800s and 1900s as a gathering place where they found out things. They didn't have telephones to talk. They didn't, uh, they didn't certainly had no Internet to communicate. They couldn't Twitter. They couldn't do all that. So church became a social gathering. Well, listen, uh, that may change, but guess what doesn't change? That the church is the messenger of the salvation that comes only through Jesus Christ. Amen. In any denomination of any church or any local church that that gives up that, Alex, has given up being really a church. They're no wow. longer a church. Yeah. They can have it on their sign, but if they're not preaching that Jesus Christ saves sinners, that he can change your life, that he is the one that gives eternal life, they have ceased to be the New Testament church that Jesus birthed, that was birthed at Pentecost, that Paul wrote about, that he established there in the first century. Uh, talk about the phrase New Testament church, because I, I hear people say that. What does that mean, a church versus a, quote, New Testament church? It is the message. It is not the methodology. It would change. It's the message that it is Jesus alone through faith alone. It is grace. You're not saved by any other way. And that is the New Testament. It's not the New Testament church not having problems. The church at Corinth was a was a New Testament church, but yeah. they had more problems than you could shake a stick at, Alex. Yeah, they We're did. not talking about that. We're not talking about a church that didn't have division. They had division. But we are talking about a church that preaches Jesus Christ as the way to God, that he's the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father but by him. But not only has he given us that gift, he's given us spiritual gifts by which we serve others. Amen. We The spiritual gifts, if we're not careful, we'll think they're for us, but he's given us spiritual gifts that it might bless the church as a whole, Alex. He's given us everything we need for life and godliness in this present world. Praise God. And you know what? If you're part of a local church, and we encourage you to be a part of a church, use your gifts and abilities. You know, some have the gift of administration, exhortation, faith, musical gifts, teaching gifts, whatever. But invest yourself, what God has given you, invest it in the church that he has called 
to take his name to the entire world. Keep that sign up and launch out into the deep. Wow, 5-4, launch out to where the people are. Well, isn't it exciting to be a part of a church? And you've been listening to Exploring the Word, Bert Harper, Alex McFarland. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the American Family Radio Network. Please tell somebody about Exploring the Word, but most of all, Bert, what? Tell everyone about the Lord Jesus Christ.